This is Twa Teams, one street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, United needs Saint Salvation. And D looking to topple ton to top table. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams, one street from the Evening Telegraph. I'm Tom Duthie and... Forming the tribunal, as it is this week, are Alan Temple. Good day. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. Because George is sunning himself on the Costa Cars this week. Another holiday. He's always on holiday, that boy. But to be fair, he needs holidays as a Queen of the South fan. <laughs> but talking about difficult times being a fan, Alan, never rains but it pours for, for United. Bad weekend. And then another bad day yesterday, and I'm not suggesting they're SNP voters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that motherwell result, you could see that coming a mile away, couldn't yeah. you? And um, I guess the optics of motherwell getting a new manager bounce probably isn't the most comfortable thing in the world either if you're, uh, if you're, if you're currently in charge of Dundee United. But at the same time, that won't be something that obsesses Dundee United. Obviously, there's an interest in the teams around them, but... Fundamentally, if Dundee United don't pick up results and don't pick up performances, then they will um, they won't be going anywhere, regardless of what the teams around them do. Um, last weekend was really, really disappointing. Um, I've been quite circumspect about the the runner results because although away to Kilmarnock was a really poor performance, a lot of teams struggled there. And aside from that, playing against teams like Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, Hibs, they've done okay, probably about par to what you might expect. Home to Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock won their first match away from home since August. I mean, it was dire to make um, a Kilmarnock team that struggles so much on grass look so capable and really United barely laid a glove on them, which is a strange thing to say because they they did hit the post, uh, sorry, they hit the bar twice. Um, but yeah. one was a, a smash from distance from Aziz Behic and the other one was a, a hopeful header which hit the top of the bar. And to be honest, I think if that's on target, I think the keeper just pops that over with, with his palms. So it was it was poor and probably, do you know what, I feel like on this podcast, I sort of veer from being <laughs> absolutely certain that Dundee United are going to stay up and quite negative. And I do, I do Welcome still... Welcome to our world in this city. I know, so I'm going to try to not be overly reactionary. My belief, my instinct is still that this Dundee United team is good enough to get out of this position, but they need to be a lot better. And I thought that the comments after the game were quite illustrative uh, with Liam Fox questioning bravery, questioning personality. Those are sort of, I wouldn't say end game comments, but those are sort of, right, okay, that's an, that's a, enough enough. Either I'm going to get a reaction or I'm not going to get a reaction. So here's what I'm laying down. That was Those comments felt like we're getting in that sort of territory, which fundamentally, when you reach that point, you either get the response you need or you don't get the response you need. So I think it'll be really fascinating to see what sort of Dundee United team show up at the weekend. Will they puff out their chests and say, this is what the gaffer wants, this is what the gaffer's demanded, let's do it? Or will it be another meek display where people don't really look like they want to be on the ball, they don't look like they want to make something happen, whether they're not confident enough, whether they... Um, they're just not feeling it. Will it be another showing like that? I think it will be really interesting because really in front of the owner and all that, I don't think they can afford another afternoon like that. 
And in fairness to Liam Fox, he did it in a very factual way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I saw one of his interviews. He, he wasn't overly emotional. He wasn't ranting and raving. He, he basically called it as it was. And he's not the first. I mean, from immediate member uh, memory, Robbie Nielsen, and in particular, Craig Levine was very good at doing that. Mm-hmm. He just said, "Here's how it is. Yeah. Here's why. Here's why the." They didn't win and they played like they played. And I, I, I felt that Liam Fox wasn't, it wasn't a panic, it wasn't a, no. a, a blast. It was just like, here's why we didn't win. Yeah. I like Liam Fox. I mean, Alan's dealt with him for a while now. He's after match uh, pressers. He always speaks well. He's, he's always calm, mm-hmm. Tom. He always, he always, regardless of whether they've won a game or lost a game, he always sees the clearer picture and, and speaks well. He's softly spoken. But his manner to me was the manner of a man who was in shock. Just looking at him, he was shocked by that performance. He did not see yeah. that coming. And, you know, United need to find a lift from somewhere. And where's it going to come from? You know, when you're at the bottom and you've got an opportunity, a Scottish Cup tie, we spoke about this last week, how... You know, as, as much as it's good to carry on the cup, the momentum you could take from that and being, being in the last eight of the cup, which has suddenly opened up, by the way, for, for clubs, mm-hmm. uh, there's an opportunity there to go even further in the quarters, depending on, you know, the, the, the way the things panned out. But to, to, to meekly go out to a team who's, you know, down there struggling, can't buy a win away from home. And one of your big rivals. One of your big rivals, and you lose the game. And, and Liam Fox just looked absolutely stunned to me. Uh, as softly spoken as he was, he just—I was just just looking at him. He looks that lad. That lad just can't believe what he's just witnessed from a team who is desperate, desperate for for a performance. And the concern to me is, and this is a consequence of the January window as well as a couple of injuries. I mean, there's nothing he can do really to shake things no. up either. You know, it's not like Jimmy McGrath. The hope is he'll be back and and as he's Behitch now available again. But beyond that. Liam Fox probably is acutely aware he can't walk into that dressing yeah. room and say, you're not on next week, you're not on next no. week, I'm bringing in him, I'm bringing on him. Because although he needs to say the right things, which is these people are pushing hard for mm-hmm. a start and they are ready if I need them, I, I don't think anyone's massively no. convinced that he's going to drop, say, a Glenn Middleton no. for Rory McLeod. I just, I just I don't yeah, buy it. But surely, Alan, that, that is a consequence of... A, a pure transfer window. Of course it is. Yeah, absolutely. That's one hundred percent. Are absolutely tied behind his back where he's go, where he's going here. You know, as you say, that there's not many changes he can make, and he's facing a massive, a massive game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And it can go two ways. There'll be a big St Johnston support. We've seen that yeah. they've been selling tickets well, and they've reduced the pricing as well at, at Tarnish. So there'll be a big home support, and that could be good if things go well, Tom. But yeah. if things turn in the other direction, it could turn very nasty indeed. But United have an opportunity again, not only to, to get a performance, but if they get a win, they actually they, they, they claw St Johnston back, back into in the equation. Aye. Now St Johnston, St Johnston will be going there with the, the mantra of do not lose that game. That's the most important thing in Callum Davidson's mind. A win would be fantastic. Yeah. But keep the gap. That's a secret at this stage of the season. Keep that gap. Don't let United get any closer to us. So they won't be going gung-ho in search of three points, which could make life incredibly difficult for United because they're not a team that has got heart full of goals. You know, don't, as if they can score from every opportunity. So they're going to have to find something from somewhere, but, you know, I'm really struggling myself to see 
where that comes from. But, uh, you know, football can change very yeah. quickly. The answer is it needs to come from within, Aye. which is why... Last night shows up more yes. well winning, doesn't it's, it? That's, that's, why, when you're down there. that's why Liam Fox is trying to prompt a reaction because he is acutely aware that he can't go into his squad. He can't really make wholesale changes. So what does he need to do? He needs to prod the players that he's going to have to rely on week after week. He needs to find something extra that's not coming out at the moment. And I think there is extra there. I think there's some good players on that team that, particularly against Kilmarnock, it was it was slow, it was ponderous, it wasn't proactive enough. The passes didn't go through the lines. People didn't get around Stephen Fletcher. It just it was just poor. And there is more than that to come. So that's what Liam Fox is trying to do. He's trying to prod more out of this existing group that he's got because, yeah, to, to answer that question, where is it going to come from? It's, it needs to come from within. It can only come from within because, let's be honest, what are we now? You know, we're a, we're a whisper away from March now. There's, there's no free agents coming to save the day now, so no. it needs to come from within. And Two things occur to me. Teams lose games, especially teams that are down near the bottom of divisions. The two Kilmarnock defeats in recent times it's the nature of the defeats, isn't it, that, that worries you. United didn't perform in either of these games. And the other thing, in a more general sense, is beginning to look like the classic good football team in relegation trouble. You know, where they didn't expect to be there. Kilmarnock did. Motherwell sometimes are, sometimes aren't. But United, after the last couple of seasons, just thought they were going to be top six Europe challengers and is it are they in shock almost? It's it's hard to get into the mindset of, of players because if you ask them that question, the answer will be no, we're not in denial. We knew we were in a relegation battle. And that should be the case. The Dundee United have been in a relegation battle since August. So there's no excuse for um being shell shocked by this situation. Um but in terms of whether or not there's a belief that they're in a scrap against relegation, only the players can answer mm. that honestly. Only they can, again, look within and answer that question honestly. Some of the... I think there's a... I don't know if you want to call it disbelief, but I think there's a there's a more bullshit attitude on that maybe from the, the higher-ups in the club. I mean, I think when you see, or when you hear, I should say, Tony Asgar speaking to BBC at the weekend, there's still a reluctance to even countenance the mention of relegation, which... I get he's trying to be ballsy, but I'm not sure that's entirely helpful. Mm -hmm. I, to be honest, I think now might be the time to, see, even if it gives people a wee scare, you know, talk about mm -hmm. you know you know what we're going to have to have contingencies in place, this and that, and this is a real problem because we are now in that stage where it rings a, a little hollow when you've got people that won't even seem to consider the idea that they could get relegated because. Although I don't believe it'll happen, it's 100% a, oh, yeah. a possibility. You know, and I, I think this sort of, I think it comes across to fans, and, and again, I, as always, the, the angriest fans that, that are the loudest, so you, you're reluctant to take it as a, as a massive sample size, but I think it kind of annoys fans as well because they maybe feel like their intelligence has been insulted yeah. a little bit. I don't know if that's fair yeah, to say. That's, uh, you know, there needs some sort of reaction. And we mentioned that Liam Fox is a quietly spoken man. I don't know what he's like on the training ground. I'm sure he has a bit of steel. He wouldn't get yeah. to where he's where he's been in football if he doesn't have a bit of steel about him. He wouldn't have survived where no. he's been too. He, he, he's he been he in the lower leagues and it's tough. We need a reaction. And and players, I think, are looking at others to provide that reaction. There are senior pros there. 
and they're looking maybe he'll do it maybe he'll do it every individual has got to take responsibility on that part and make sure they first of all first and foremost they do their jobs but you need a wee bit more when you're you know they're needing to find something that's going to get them a result and the big worry for me is I mean, where where things stand, unless they they come up with a, a real run of results, they are going to be playing in the bottom six when the, when the split is made. Now, the teams around them are, are beating them, and, and I've, ta- yeah. I've taken like, the Kilmarnocks of this world have beaten Dundee So when it comes to the crunch, that final game, they will go in the park confident that they yeah. can do that again. Whether it's at Tarnish or whether it's at Rugby Park, same if it's Ross County or Mother, or the Motherwell's of this world, United have got to go and show some determination to pick up a point and do all they can on Saturday to make sure, obviously, they want to win the game, but make sure they do not lose that game because things are beginning to spiral here and a loss could mm-hmm. be catastrophic for the, you know, the, the mood of the, of the home support, which, you know, will we'll go back into the boardroom and you just wonder, as Alan's touched on, uh, Motherwell jettison their manager and suddenly come up with a result from absolutely nowhere last night and you wonder if that boardrooms are strange places Tom you wonder if, if, if Dundee United I mean I, I certainly hope not but would Dundee United be prepared to do the same thing and, and, and gamble on bringing someone else and get a similar sort of reaction that's how that's how pivotal this game is on Saturday it's, it's a hugely pressurised situation I I must admit it's, cro- it's crossed my mind and I'm not suggesting Liam Fox should be under any pressure but over my years in football it's one of the most more bizarre things, but sacking managers is a fashion as well. It happened. Somebody else does it, and you do it, and do it like yeah. that, and it's a time. And uh-huh. uh, things don't happen in a vacuum. You know, that's yeah. it would be silly to think that the people that make the decisions at Dundee United haven't looked at what, for example, Motherwell are doing. They'll be looking at what Motherwell have done. Was that effective? They've looked at what Kilmarnock have done, you know, stuck with Derek McInnes and through, you know, miserable away form. And that's the, the flip side of it, bringing a bit of consistency. And so, the, you know, yeah, you, absolutely. Nothing happens in a vacuum and every decision everywhere will inform what your yeah. thinking is. But the, the key thing that will really inform thinking is the game this weekend and particularly what I think this is, get a, a piece going out today that kind of underlines the importance of this game. I think it's this one is comfortably the biggest game of, of Liam Fox's tenure. And I don't think it's just about the run of results. I don't think it's just about the league position. I think it's about the fact that it's this Legends Day, this carnival atmosphere. Yeah. There's going to be a bumper crowd. And as Bear rightly says, that can so quickly turn from something positive to something negative. That's just a fact of the matter. And you've got St. Johnston, you know, whether these days are actually always a dangerous thing, especially during a bad yeah. run, because it gets it, it, rightly everybody will be up mm-hmm. when they see their former favourites and greats of the club. But if you're if you're a goal down after 15 minutes, it reminds yeah. everybody where what used to be yeah. compared to what is now, and, you, and that can really turn a crowd. 100. percent And it's the fact that it's St Johnston are visitors. You know, mm-hmm. I know Dundee United fans don't like to call it a derby, but it is a rivalry and. Although it's scarcely justified over the last decade, it's a rivalry that United expect to come out mm-hmm. on top in. They'll be bringing a lot of fans. They'll luxuriate if they can beat United fans. That will yeah. hurt even more. And Mark Ogren will yeah. see all this. That is the key thing. You know, he touches down on Friday. Mark Ogren will be there. And although he's not ignorant of what's happening at United, it, it hits different when you're yeah. in the stadium. When you yeah. know when you're actually seeing the depth of feeling. Hear about and, it in a phone call or see it on a laptop. Yeah, and that's going to inform his. 
um, experience at the upcoming supporters meetings, at the upcoming AGM. Mm -hmm. This all circles into each other to create a situation. Football matches, as I've just said, don't occur in a vacuum. These situations all inform each other and... Um, with this game against St. Johnson, then the upcoming game against Ross County, fans meetings, AGMs, this fortnight could be so defining in United season mm -hmm. and also defining in Liam Fox's reign as Dundee United boss. Um, it's uh, As I say, I'm, I'm doing a, probably a good job of sounding hyperbolic, but it is hard to overstate just how important this feels, yeah. although mm -hmm. United will rightly be saying, you know, it's three points. That's the only way they can approach it but there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on right now. Yeah, and they're playing the St. Johnston side, of course. I mean, other than games against Old Firm, St. Johnston, Lucas, they're, they're not going to give you anything. No. They don't, no. They'll not give you anything cheaply. A corner kick, a throw in, nothing. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to battle your way through it. And again, in situations like that, I looked at the, the experienced players, I looked at the Fletchers, I looked, I looked at Charlie Mulgrew, I looked at Ryan Edwards, They've got to cajole the other players on that park to put in a performance that is going to get Dundee United a result. If not, and then as Alan says, and the situation could could spiral into something completely different. Should United make a change if the result doesn't go against them? It's a massive gamble, Tom. We've seen it. We've seen it work both ways up mm -hmm. the road at, at Danes. We've we've seen managers coming in as late as this. Neil McCann came in and and yeah. and. and, and you know, got them over the over the safety line. But we've seen other cases, more cases, <laughs> where managers have come in and not made one jot of difference. In fact, it's gone completely the other way. Um, so hopefully, Liam Fox, he's a nice man. I hope it doesn't get to that. But my goodness, what, is, what would be a football manager? What a situation to be in on Saturday? I have to say, my gut feeling is, and I think they should, the world stick with Liam Fox, and quite quite rightly so. That's partly based on, I mean, you, you've got an American owner who's already changed manager yeah. once. And in, in, in an American sport, that's not a big thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's an end-of-season thing, mm -hmm. traditionally, in American sport, where you look at the coach and say, do we need a new one? The one I know, known as, I mean, this could be a sort of pivotal period in Mark Ogren's reign mm -hmm. as owner, because quite deservedly, and partly because the way he handles himself when you speak to him or he speaks... He does very well, but but it's going to be a testing visit for him, this one, perhaps like no other he's had. The, the other thing I would say about that is who would you bring in? Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's the other aspect right. of this. You know, Liam Fox has shown on occasion he can get a tune out of this team. I know for a fact he's respected by the players. They like him, they like his methods, and they believe in the way that he's mm. trying to get them to play. Those are all important factors when we go into a situation that even after Saturday there will still be 41 points to play for. Like, I think sometimes there is a mm -hmm. a wee sense of perspective needed there. You know, that's a lot of points. Um, and particularly given in this run up to the split, their only, their only really you know nightmare game is Rangers away, and then they'll go into the bottom six split. So, in theory, of those 41 points they've got to play for, 38 could be considered winnable, mm -hmm. you know? So... It's not, um, I don't think we're in sack the manager territory, although I, I do understand the, the depth of, of feeling and, and it feels a bit kind of disrespectful to, to Liam Fox, who, you know, to discuss who there might be out there because for all, uh, you know, whether he's doing a good job or a bad job, he's, you know, he's a very, very respectful, uh, respectful character and probably deserves the same in return. But, you know, looking at that wider discussion, I, I don't see a lot out there. Dundee United couldn't find... 
a few pennies to bring in a striker. So they're not paying compensation for no. any manager. So you can count that out. So then you're looking at the unemployed market and you, you're maybe thinking about something like, the only thing I could possibly think of for, out of nowhere, just for pure impact and gravitas, is if, um, you, say, you, you looked at someone like Craig Levine. Or, you know, maybe something like that, something left field. Yeah. Or or even if they could get um, an agreement with Celtic to bring in Houston for a few months, mm -hmm. you know. So maybe something like that is, is the only thing that, I, and I'm literally spitballing yeah. off the top of my head here, but... I don't but, see. But, I don't see loads of candidates out there. No, I mean, you look at look at Motherwell. I mean, Stuart Kettlewell left Ross County because things were going pretty poorly for him yeah. up there. It's not the fact that you bring in someone who is really going to shake things up. It's to give everybody at the club a jolt, and I think that is. I mean, just whoever whoever takes over, whether they're appointed from within, whether it was somebody stepping up again, a Dave Bowman type character, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know, but someone is going to give the players a quick jolt. And unfortunately for Liam Fox, it's worked at Motherwell. That's, you've seen that, you know, a club that was really down on their hunkers have suddenly got a win. Now that hasn't made Motherwell a good side overnight. Motherwell are still in the thick of it, but they will take confidence from that result. There's no doubt about that. And that's what Duns United need to do. A win on Saturday changes everything completely. United will mm -hmm. still be... Yep might still well be at the bottom of the league but suddenly as Alan says you're looking at teams around you going we can we can win a lot of these yeah. games you know and, and things don't quite look as bad as they are at this current point in time See, yeah. to try to be positive about it as well I think in fairness to Liam Fox in general terms he has improved them mm -hmm. from when he took over because they were that maybe shows how low they were in confidence and in performance level at that particular moment hence the change the other thing, if you like, of of all the teams down there, as Alan says, there's 41 points, and I'm maybe being overly optimistic here, but if there's one team down there that could maybe do a Newcastle from last season when they looked dead and buried, and three or four weeks before the end of the season they were they were safe, it's United because they have that ability. And a lot of this has to come within, but they've got to start showing it, don't they? The yeah. players on the park have to start doing it. I think the the interesting thing in, in Beirut to it there if they do win at the weekend, see everything we've pointed out as potential pitfalls of this weekend in terms of the pomp and pageantry of the Legends Day, the fact that Mark Ogren's going to be there, all that stuff. That all flips if they get a positive result. It becomes the perfect opportunity yeah. to kickstart a season because there is no better stage to try and recapture some sort of feel-good factor than, say, hypothetically, winning 3 nil and playing, a bit, playing with a bit of swagger on the day that the fans paid tribute to their 83 legends. You know, that's you couldn't write a better opportunity to kickstart your season than that. So that needs to be the the carrot there, the the thing that they're they're working towards. But And that could happen. I mean that's of course, one of the frustrations of the uh, Liam Fox's time in charge. It must be for him is for all the for all the abysmal performances against Kilmarnock, I think it's Kilmarnock and Ross County, they've also swept aside. In a, mm -hmm. in a much more comfortable fashion than anybody thought going into the game. There's been a couple of games where you've said, oh, just get three points. Don't care if it comes off but someone's backside and goes in the net for a 1-0 mm -hmm. victory. But they've actually dominated the mm -hmm. games and looked a much better team. And it's, I mean, it's up to players. Now, of course the pressure's on, but for mm -hmm. me, it's up to players to say, hey, 
That's what we're paid to do. That's why we're brought to this club because we've yeah, got that standard. They've got to step up. I, I've mentioned the, exp the experience. I, I've mentioned Fletcher, Edwards, and Mulgrew, but but guys like I mean, I'm not sure the injury situation is putting to him, but guys like Jamie McGrath, Dylan Levitt, Ian Harks, Craig Sibbald, these guys need to step up if they're on the part of their fit to play. They need to go in that park and do a job. They're all well capable of it. They've all they've all we've all we've seen the sort of ability they possess. But they need to show it now in a pressurised environment. They're good players. Mm -hmm. They need to go and do it. That's an interesting point because Dundee United are a very strange side in the sense that they seem to either be disappointing and not get the result they want or win three or four nil. It's a very strange mm. side. And I don't know if it's still the case, but at the time that I wrote it towards the tail end of last year, there was only three teams that had won uh, two or more games by a four-goal margin in the league. Rangers, Celtic and Dundee United. Mm, yeah. So they are capable... And they've started, it's happened again this season, yeah. not often enough. So they're capable of sweeping teams aside, but it seems to be a case of they're either purring and sweep teams aside or they're not on it. They need to find that, and it's so important in relegation battles, they need to find that sweet spot where you can grind out a 1-0 when you're not playing well because other teams will do that. And right now, that's the one thing that Dundee United yeah. seem incapable of. That's that's you've just hit the nail on the head. The, the nil, the need to find those clean sheets again. That is that is the secret to picking up points, one points, three points. Some of the time, if you, if you can sneak a goal, and, and at this point in time, unfortunately, those clean sheets seem to have dried up. And um, you were there, Alan, myself, and Tom were talking about it prior prior to uh, starting the podcast today that. Mark Birgitte didn't cover himself in glory last week but with the goal he lost. I mean, yeah. I don't think he was he was totally to blame. No. But it's a collective thing, isn't it? You know, it's they just seem incapable of of, of keeping the ball at the net at times. And again, I mean, to try to finish on a positive for United, you mentioned him earlier, Asis Behic is back. And now, bizarrely, the type of defender he is, his return doesn't automatically signal more clean sheets. <laughs> but what it does is... When he's on the pitch, things happen. Yeah. And and he makes people around him sort of livelier. And that, that's got to be an encouragement. For me, Aziz Behic is, along with Glenn Middleton, uh, Dundee United's most potent attacking weapon when, when on form. And there's probably an argument to say Behic is, is more consistent than, than Glenn Middleton, which is natural. He's, he's 32 years old and is a vastly experienced footballer. Consistency comes with that sort of thing. So... Um, massively important to have him back he was uh, you know he was unavailable for personal reasons obviously you know nobody's business but his own but it's great to have him uh, have him back and that's a, a really important option because he was on the pitch for i think half an hour um against Kilmarnock and cut inside from the left and spanked one against the bar you know out of absolutely nothing he created something in that way that he can drift inside into the little half spaces that allows the guys behind Fletcher to then you know, move into the spaces vacated by Behic, all that, all that good stuff, all that circular movement that comes from the fact that Behic is not afraid to just bomb forward and be effective in the final I was going to say, as well as his obvious ability, he's one of these players that, what I've always liked when I've seen him, whether he's played well or not, is he plays the game at a pace that you think that's the kind of pace that will give teams problems. Yeah. And he's a leader as well. You know, that's vitally important. You know, Bear was touching on it there. You need people that have broad shoulders that are going to stand up to this challenge and be confident as he's behitch is a, a leader in there and as somebody with a, a really healthy appreciation of his own ability and ability to handle this situation and if that swagger and that belief and that 
way he takes up the cordials can bring a few others along with him, then that's it's invaluable. He's a you know, there are only eleven players on a football pitch, so when you get one that's really important, that's a big percentage that it's lifting your, your team by a whole. So um it's it's big having him back, really, really big. And hopefully as a collective, they'll look at the players who will be on the are they on the part the legends on the park before or at half time? Uh, I believe it's I believe it's before. Before's yeah. a good idea. Hopefully when you're warming up, you look across, you say, I don't want to make a fool of myself in front of people. And, like and, and also you don't want to have the poor legends out on at half time <laughs> if they're getting beat two 0 I mean you wouldn't want to put them through that. We keep them on if they're two 0 Anyway, here's hoping that all have a great day, the fans have a great day. And three points stay in the real home of football in Tayside. Oh, controversial there. Moving swiftly on to Dundee, and it's easy to see that this week's notes were provided by our Dundee United correspondent. After a glorious victory, he starts his notes with, Lyle Cameron penalty. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll have, you know, the notes are just shorthand. The point I was trying to make was Lyle Cameron played very, very well and then came out and spoke very well about his penalty miss and was no, very I've mature. No, not had a conspiracy theory for a while and you're now, you're now getting accused. No, and, and also, I'm a very, I'm a very good win. I'm very, I'm, I'm very busy today, so the notes were compiled in, in about four minutes. So I'll take that as a mitigating factor as well. I do have to say, one of the things that's stuck in my mind was no another penalty where are they going to score a penalty oh, there unbelievable I don't know I mean just just on that what I would say is I, I'm not sure it's, I think they're missed 7 and 10 it's something like that it might, might be more than that I, I, I've lost track of it well, but just been uh, speaking uh, about Dundee United's yeah, legend I know we can remember when their solution was well, Hamish McAlpine yeah yeah well <laughs> it might be going that way if, if which it, incidentally Harry Gary Boyer there's, there's a two there's a two stroke sort of policy when you get the goalie to take yeah. penalty if you remember <laughs> Hamish took the penalties and someone else was assigned to foul the goalkeeper yeah, if that's you exactly, yeah. remember that that's I can't remember clever, I think I might have been Paul Sturrock but I remember somebody clever, had to run and hit the goalkeeper if he saved the yeah, penalty yeah, absolutely yeah but yeah, I'm just thinking that you know I think it's seven seven misses and ten. But 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 actually we're being a bit cruel here. Of, of those seven misses, six of those have been saved. Mm. Now, now there was one unbelievably poor poor one that I've seen, uh, and it was Paul McMullins uh, against Queens Park when Callum Ferry actually had to come out and pick the ball up to, to get a bit. The other ones have all been saved, and even you know most keepers will pick a corner and go. So in general terms, they've been. They've been great, but the keepers are picking the right. We should have got. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, the flip I'm side of it is, excuse for them. apart from the shootout disasters, yeah. the, the flip side of their penalty misses is for the opposition. If Dundee get an, an early penalty and miss it, the opposition go, oh no, we're in for a humping today because yeah. they've gone on and won yeah. very comfortably. Yeah, they have, and, and uh, yeah, fair play to Lyle Cameron. He missed the penalty, but I mean, he is very, very quickly becoming Dundee's. Yeah. Star man and fan favourite. He really is. And it says a lot that he steps up as well. Yes. Yeah. Especially yeah. having he, he, he missed he, well, he missed what he missed. Keeper, sorry, keeper saved it at St. Martin. I uh, try to blame somebody else, but yeah. it was uh, it was him that missed against St. Martin. Yeah, but I so, mean, well done the lad. There's always been a player in there, but not only that, there's there's a, a, a midfielder who scores goals and he's been doing it all season. And have you've got that time, you've got a real st- star on your Actually, hands just to sort of go back to the penalty thing yeah. we're often talk, we're often. talking about it at United <laughs> you're, we're often saying things like this you know it's, it's times like these you need experienced men 
My experience of football is see when a team misses a lot of penalties in a season. It's times like these you don't need experience with because they're all like, I'm not yeah. taking the next one. You it's take a, it, son. I'm going back all the yeah. time I've watched Dundee. It's, 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 just, it's just a run they've seemed to have got themselves yeah. into. And, and it's, it's a case now, if, if they get a penalty tomorrow night... Who's the youngest? Go, well, the fans <laughs> are actually groaning. Oh, no, no, <laughs> Oh no, you know, he's stepping up, but that's I, funny. I remember I'm the, sure, I'm sure I, he'll get through it. I remember the United game, uh, was it Cammy and Bell? He saved three penalties at yeah, Dunfermline. That's right, and it was the, yeah. third, the third penalty. <laughs> the poor Dunfermline fans. And the, yeah, honestly, the, the Dunfermline, I can't remember who it was that took the third penalty, but he physically struggled to put the ball on the spot. Because yeah. nobody <laughs> was. United were appealing for a penalty for Dunfermline, and the Dunfermline <laughs> players were waving play on. They were like, no, no, not another one. I'm surprised one of the big centre halves is not come up because I remember Darren O'Day used to take them at Dens and he just ran up Look and his, laces through the ball. I like it. I like a centre-back lashed penalty down yeah. the middle. I'm a yeah. big fan of that. You very rarely see them missed no, you know, when you just lash no. it down the middle. The keeper's still got to save it. You know, it's mm -hmm. so, it's so, yeah, I'm surprised none of those two have, have come forward but it must big, be getting pretty close to them, I would think. A, so. big, a big Ryan Sweeney toe blast, is that where we are? Yeah, yeah. It, it could be. It could be. But uh, in general terms, another uh, great victory for yeah. Dundee because... Uh, well, Cove have been struggling at, at the bottom, um, and and they've taken a couple of pastings recently since since Paul Hartley came in. You saw the changes he has made. I mean, they, they were coming off the back of a win against Partick Thistle at at Firhill, where they didn't lose a goal, and the first half was really hard work for Dundee. And as much as Dundee tried to move the ball, Cove, they weren't dragging Cove out of any sort of shape. And you know, it was I was looking like a long and difficult afternoon, but yet again. The manager, we've criticised him in the past for it. He makes changes at half time. It wasn't really working for the, the had Kwame Thomas up front. And I think he's done a decent job coming in. You know, I think he is, he is effectively a big, uh, powerful striker who can hold the ball and bring others into play. But unfortunately for him, at this point in time, he doesn't really look like he's going to get a goal term. And no. as a striker, you've got to have that in your, in your locker. Yeah. And maybe the ball's just not falling for him. He's not had that many chances. Unless you play for Chelsea. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> He doesn't really look as if he's going to get a goal. And uh, similar, similarly, again, I've spoken about Luke McKibben, falls out of games. You know, but the manager quickly sees it at half-time, brings on Zach Robinson and brings on uh, Alex Jakubiak, and instantly, instantly they're in front. And, and the two striker subs score. They've won, they've won the game. You know, and he it's just, I mean, Zach Robinson obviously hadn't played a lot of football when he, when he, when he came back. But I think those minutes he got against Wraith Rovers, he wasn't probably as expecting his play as long as he did. He got 45 and then the game goes to the extra time crew. He gets another half an hour, but that benefited him. And there's no doubt about it, his hold-up playing twists and turns is going to give any defender in that league. doesn't matter if it's a big defender. Real problems. And that, that's what sets up the first goal. And again, it's him that gets the ball in, in, in the box and sticking out twist turns. And I thought he's, he's going to shoot, but he lays it off perfectly for Alex Kubiak, and Alex Kubiak shows that he can take a goal. I mean, he only got his first league goal, I think, the other week there against Queen's Park. He's added to it there with a, with a fine finish. And the game was effectively over. I think when when Lyle Cameron uh, when Lyle Cameron gets a penalty and it's missed, I think there were some fans thinking back to the midweek game against Wraith Rovers, which gives you a wee bit of concern. Are they going to throw away? I mean, Cove yeah. hadn't been in the game, but you just worry if Cove get a goal... Do Dundee suddenly get the jitters? But to be fair to Dundee, they go and score another another fine a fine third goal. Cameron himself. And it was a pressured game. Yeah, 
A, because it was keeping yeah. them on course to overtake no, Queen's part, and, and, well, and B, because of dropped points against teams near the bottom. Yeah, and, and the Queen's part result the day before put pressure on them as yeah. well, because obviously it sets Dundee up. And, and, but they, they win the game 3 nothing. And Yeah, I mean, they're playing really well, Tom. And I think it's... I've, I've, I firmly believe that they've got the strongest squad without a shadow of a doubt. They've shown they've got the, the beatings of Queen's Park. They've shown they've got the beatings of Air, Air United. Um we're just waiting for Dundee to get their noses in front. And I think if they can do that, there'll be no stopping them. But Which they can a, do. They can go top for a wee yeah. while they've got, well, tomorrow night at Morton. Yeah. They've at got, least. They've got a really tricky game. A really tricky game tomorrow night. Capo's never, never an easy place where we get points. And they've just beaten Queen's Park last week. So it'll be a tough game. It'll be a tough game. But I, I, I watched the Queen's Park. Well, I didn't watch the game. I saw the highlights of the Queen's Park uh, uh, Morton game at Capital, and one thing that impressed me was the pitch actually looks in good nick, and I think that'll suit Dundee. Yeah. It'll allow boys like Cameron and that to play because I've got to say again, Dane still looks a bit ropey to me. It looks a bit crusty and crumbly, yeah. but Dundee are still able to play football on it. So if you can do that on a pitch that isn't fantastic, when you go to a surface that is maybe a bit better at this point in time in the season, you expect Dundee to play exactly the same way. I will expect that that Alex Kubiak and, and Zach Robertson have done enough to, to, to start the game tomorrow night. Yeah, so. It's interesting what you say about it being a you know a Friday night game, obviously, because it's such a fascinating division, the Championship, because you tend to have one of the title chasers mm. uh-huh. get to play 24 hours ahead of the did, others. The Queen's partner play tomorrow night as well? Against Wraith no. Rovers? Oh, we should have ah, searched that. There we go. But it's... I course, mean, I, it's MD no. No. <laughs> has, anybody got, has anybody not got their phone on flight mode? <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring up to the minute news. Apparently, there's there's a chance of a fixture change involving Queen's Park. They were going to play on Saturday. They might still play on Saturday, but they might move it to tomorrow. He said, wasting time while Bear looks up. Anyway, Alan, while Bear tries to work his... Is that an old Nokia you've got there, Bear? 1995? <laughs> no, but, it, it, I, but I'm going to continue after being brutally derailed. I have to make my wider point, which is these Friday night games make the championship so interesting because you tend to have that opportunity where one team can jump Bear, ahead of the really other. do you really think I can read this from this distance? <laughs> so while that might not be the case, I, know, I would point out that Air United will be saying we are still very much yes, still in this nice. race. So we are playing on Saturday. So, you know, they'll be putting their hands up and saying they're the ones that could maybe be a little yeah. bit more pressure on them. But speaking in general, I think it's when this gets into the final stages, see, getting your noses in front, you chance to actually kick on and get those little um, mental boosts because Dundee United seem to be on the... They've actually had a couple of weeks off, but I'd imagine during the running, Dundee will be a big sell in terms of the games that BBC want on a Friday night. So yeah. I think it'll be an increasingly consistent job for George to have on Friday nights. and Which is always bad news for fans and football writers who cover that club, that particular club because... It could be good for Dundee, though. They're limited with the number of home games they can show, but not the number of away games. So mm-hmm. It usually means Friday night trips... Always on the other side of Glasgow, so yeah. you can have an hour on the M8 George, George for dinner. Hmm. But I think I think Alan's right. I mean, I've done I've done. You can sort of you, you you want to be in a situation where you're going into the, the last set of fixtures, the last nine games, where you've got a bit of a cushion, so that if you do have and and there's no, there's no guarantee you're going to win every game. Sometimes games go against you. We've seen that this season. But if you do have a blip, it's not going to be absolutely crucial in, in your running you, you know you, you can afford afford the slip up here and there but still keep your noses 
ahead. What you don't want is to be nip and tuck all the way. That that's not going to do much for the fans. No, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the nerves and, and the fingernails and things like that. But for me, what I mean, Dundee just looked to be so strong all over the park now. You know, my big worry is squad. just if you look at it, it's all there for for them. They've got a big squad. They've got the strongest squad. Two of their strikers started scoring at the weekend, and you would expect Zach Robinson in particular to continue scoring. And they've got a young kid who's possibly on form. He's certainly one of the best players in the whole division just now. And despite the pressure of going for promotion, he's probably only just thinking about the thrill of being involved in the first mm -hmm. team regularly for the first time in his career. And as uh, he, he seems to play like he's got no pressure on his back yeah. and he and he tries things and if they don't come off the tie and and everything seems to be going for Dundee and that's always the time yeah. when we get disappointed yeah. eh, Bear? well <laughs> but the, the great thing that uh, the manager has instilled in the team is competition you know if you go in that pitch you must perform or somebody's going to come in and the guys that the guys that are going off are you know as I said the two substitutes you start who came on on on, on Saturday, there's Kubiak and Robson. I'm, I'm positive, unless there's injury concerns, that they will start against Morton. And the guys who've gone off, Kwame Thomas and uh, uh, Luke McKellen, will have to wait for their turn to come around again. And the same goes in the middle of the park, where they've just got, I mean, guys like Ben Williamson struggling to get a game. But even when he when he comes on, you can see he, he's doing good things. Yeah. So the manager's got a, he's got great competition right, right across the park. And I've got to say as well, well, well they won the game comfortably, See nothing. We should make an emphasis that they kept a clean sheet because mm -hmm. that is important. Utterly, even even you don't want us. There will be a game where there will be a game where there's one goal can, win yeah, it for you can win you it. So sheet. you need to be able to keep clean sheets, and I think that they've proved they can do that. There have been games this season where the things have. You just wonder if you're looking at the same team sometimes, yeah. but they've been few and far between. So. You know, there's not been many bad Dundee performances, Tom. I mean, we were looking back now before Christmas when they went on that seven seven match winning run. Which, which was sort of 10 games unbeaten. You know, they had the blip against Arbroath. They've had a, a, a wee blip against uh, Wraith Rovers in the Cup where, where, where they dominated the Wraith Rovers side and should have had been out of sight against the Wraith Rovers side who hadn't lost, haven't lost in 11 or 12 games now. Something like yeah. that. So, yeah, you think it's it's all there for them. They've just got to keep it going and you have faith in the manager that he will make the right calls going forward. He seems to have... He seems to have, a, he's got, no doubt he's got a strong squad, but he seems to have a happy squad as well. I think they understand that he's a fair manager. If you do well, you will you will be in the team and that's the way it should be. And I was going to say, Alan, it's a, personally, I'm very much a consistency of selection kind of guy. Call me old-fashioned that way. Particularly when you maybe drop down a league or two, I think it's easier on the players who obviously have limitations or they wouldn't be at that level. But these Dundee players are decent players and they're used to it now, aren't they? They're used to the fact that Gary Boyer will change it from week to week or half to half. And they seem comfortable with it. Well, just compare it to what we were discussing earlier in terms of a Dundee United team that maybe the players don't feel like there's somebody waiting just to take their place mm -hmm. on the drop of a hat. This is what consistency, uh, sorry, what competition brings to you. It brings a level of consistency of performance because players know, do you know what, if I drop down, if I get hooked off today, chances are I don't start the next game. And I think that's only a positive thing. Football should be cutthroat. Football should be pressurised. Yeah. If you're feeling under pressure to keep your own place in the team, then you'll better handle the pressure of game situations. You know, you should be, clubs should be demanding high standards. And 
if you don't hit those standards, you get dropped. I think the fact that Dundee seem to have that now is a is a real positive, one of the major positives. And um, you know, bears discussing the midfield situation there, for example. I saw Gary Boyer talking up Barry Maguire's progress, and there's mm-hmm. more to come from him. And that seems to have been quite an astute January capture. And they appear to have, unlike the club across the street, they appear to have come out of January with good options, bit of depth, and really well equipped to go into the you know last few weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, it strikes me, such was his business last month. That there's, there's going to be players who arrived in January unhappy by the end of the season because it's so difficult to get in the team. You, you say that, but I mean, again, on, on Saturday, he managed to get, ultimately, on Sunday, you say, sorry, he managed to get four or five substitutes on the pitch because Gary Boyer always does. So yeah. even you guys, like the guy Hannon that's come up, we saw a bit of him. We've seen Ryan Clamping get a game. He, he's obviously injured, which is unfortunate because that'll be a bit short in, in that area they had to play Carney uh, Kerr again at left back which isn't ideal he does a job in there it isn't ideal um, uh, Jordan Marshall was on the bench so he's obviously on his way back as well so hopefully that situation will be resolved but Gary Boyer gets players on the pitch so you know they, they'll all get a chance obviously 10 minutes here and there might not, not be the, the best but it's not as if they're going week after week without getting an opportunity and even the sort of the situation where they bring Luke Fisher uh, Sam, Sam Fisher? Sam Fisher, Sam well Fisher, Luke Fisher. I've got a few looks in there. You're sorry. fishing about for sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, Sam. <laughs> they bring him back from Dunfermline. Yeah. People are going, what are you bringing him back for? I think he's played in three of the four games. Ah. And he started. And I, I'll touch on that as well. That it's great to see that there's a lot of kids that have come through the academy that are now yeah. in that team. There's guys like Sam's obviously done well. You know, you've got, you've got, um, um, what's, it, what's his name? Scoring the goals to be lad, um, Mr. Penalty Lyle Cameron. Lyle Cameron's doing well, and there's a few others that have, that have come in there that have done really well, you know. So it, it shows that the academy is working, Tom. You know, Josh Mulligan obviously struggling to get a game at this point, yeah. Where did you go back a few months? The, yeah, you, you were thinking, oh, there might be bids for him in January, yeah. And, and he might go on, but well, now there, there might well be. There might well be, but as, as, the good thing about the academy is you should have a constant, a conveyor belt yes. of of players coming through every season that are are almost within touching distance of that first team. Some will go on, and 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 go on to better things. Some may not go on to better things. Some may drop down again, but others may actually stay and do a good job for the club. And, that, and that's what that's that's the way it should be. Like you know, but, it'll, uh, it'll also be interesting not to wish away this season, but let's hope it all goes well to see how many of them can make an impact in the top flight mm. because for a club of Dundee's stature, that should be ultimately what they're aiming to do, not just producing young players that are capable of playing in the championship. Yeah. I mean, I would expect Dundee to be able to do that, but how many of these boys can yeah. kick on and make an impact in the Premiership because um, that's the real sort of acid test of, of any you know uh, Premiership stature club's youth development. I have to say, I think with Cameron, he's... His only problem in the premier for the premiership might be keeping him long enough to give him a few yeah, games at that well, level. I mean, the thing is, you, uh, that's a footballer's life. I mean, you've got to go in and, and you know, you're basically every game you're putting yourself in the shop window. And Lyle Cameron has done that. The place at Merlin in the cup this year, he was outstanding. So you're not telling me that people weren't at a game and going, yeah, he can do a job at, at a higher level. The way he passes the ball, and and sometimes players that have got that sort of ability to him playing in an even better team they become even better because they've got more players around them who can play as well and he's he's one of these guys who's, who sees the bigger picture and 
and it reminds me a wee bit of Scotty Allen and his pomp that you yeah. know you see Scotty Allen used to get criticised when he came when he came to Dens because he played passes through the lines and there'd be nobody there Allen to, to, yeah. but he was seeing things that forwards of, of a higher calibre forward would have been on, on say, that yeah. he's that kind of player that you could imagine a scout watch him hit three passes that don't yeah. reach their target but say if he comes to our club we've got better players yeah. to, for him to play with and they will hit they'll their target because they'll, they'll read it. Yeah. And and he's that, even even when things don't come off for him, you can see he's got a picture in his head mm -hmm. that's uh, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, he has, I mean, the, the thing for the kids to keep his progress going over the next mm -hmm. few years, wherever he is, but he, he's the one player I've seen this season yeah. that really excites me in terms of how high can he go. Yeah, he's doing really well. And, and he's good if you're a... If you're a you know, an Ashcroft or a Sweeney, he's, he's an absolute godsend because when they get the ball and they look up and they're looking for somebody to pass the ball to, he will take it in a tight situation. He will take yeah. it with a man a yard behind his back and will be able to twist away and and, and lay balls off, you know. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to sort of big him up too much, but I mean, a similar player to, it was Jordy Nibzaz, used to do exactly the same yeah. thing. But a much more experienced player, but Lyle comes at the very beginnings of his career, he's able to do that. Glenn Kamara, similar as well, able to take the ball in tight situations, but then then spray it wide. And, and, and like you say, that's a godsend to yeah. defenders. Yeah, well, because if they don't do that... They, you've just labelled the new Jorginho, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I, I mean, you've been in this industry long enough to know you can say you're not trying to big him up yeah. all you want, but the headline is the yeah. new Scott Allen slash Jorginho Mzadze slash... Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Glenn uh, Kamara. Sorry, he's, he's a combination of all three. He, what a player. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got a bit to go, but... As I say, for a centre half, because when when he when he's not there and it's a manager's job have to he, keep his he, feet on the ground. What, what you see is with centre half is you see them looking up and they do two things: one, they either launch a ball sixty or seventy yards, a hopeful ball into space, or worse, you see you see more often Ryan Sweeney go up and up the park down the left wing and ending up in the left left wing position, mile at a, at a place because he's charged sixty yards with the ball because he had nobody to give it to. Sure, also, yeah. at times, players like him that come deep to get the ball, yeah. they, they give the other team... Well, it's, a lot it's, of players don't want to follow them. Well, Tom, that's what happens, of Because course. what's behind me if I follow Yeah, them? because like, like Jacob on Saturday, I mean, on Sunday, they're set up basically to defend for their lives. Yeah. So the manager's saying, but we're going to keep this shape regardless. So nobody's really wanting to take that step yeah. out deep to come and get them. And that allows Cameron even more space to turn and then go and play even more sort of telling passes. And if somebody does follow him, yeah. There's, there's space to knock yeah. it. Yeah, a bit so, longer. so he's doing well. He's got a long way to go. I do think that he is he is quite a slight player, and we've got quite a few of them in Scotland that can be bullied out of games at times. And sometimes I would imagine he'll be. Yeah. yeah. Now he's coming to people's attention. Yeah. Somebody's going to test him physically. Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. But I'm sure that's happened to him yeah. at yeah. every level because he did. He's no big for his age, yeah. so at every level he's played, he'll have he'll have had a few kicks here and there. Mm -hmm. That's better. Your football but it's good education. to see him speaking about somebody else other than Paul McMullen. And, and, and you remember Zach Robinson? I think he's only twenty as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a young side. It's a. I would say, as a Dundee fan, I would say, hats off to the manager because the football we've seen this season. Obviously, we're in the championship, but more often than not, you're seeing games where you're, you're going along, you're being entertained, you're seeing shots at goals, you're seeing balls in the box. I know, all right, you're not even winning every game. But you are seeing attacking football. There's been times in the past when you've gone to Dens and wondered what they put the, the yeah. nets up for, you know. It's, it's, it's a funny one at Dundee just now, isn't it? Because if they do what we hope they do and get up 
it becomes a very exciting summer mm. just because so many of them are out of contract. It gives the manager yeah. the chance. He's, he might lose one or two, but it gives him the chance to keep the ones he wants yeah, to keep and that, then yeah. go elsewhere for others. Yeah, enough. If they don't go up, it then becomes a problem for next season, I doesn't think, it? I think the fans know that as well. I think the fans, I've, I've seen that team in the, in, well, not quite the same team, but, you know, a lot of those players were, have been, have played for Dundee in the, in the Premier League and it ended in relegation. So there is a case that they aren't strong enough. That's that's obvious. I'm concerned with the fact that we're, we're not hearing about co new contracts being signed, but everybody seems really relaxed about it. So I think there's more yeah. going on behind the scenes. You know, the, I, I don't believe they were allowed I think there's things on the table there. You're not hearing about anybody saying pre-contracts for anybody else. No, Put it no. That way. But I yeah. think Gary Boyer is keeping his options open. He knows that he'll need to bring in maybe four or five players, but he's done well. His signings have, in general, done well. He knows you probably have to beef the team up a wee bit for the for the Premier League, but he seems to know the market in England. He's getting better value, you know, in the lower leagues than he would for his money in Scotland, and I think that's always going to be the case as long as you get the the, the right men. So, yeah, even the, even the guys you brought it's, up, it's a, the start of the season that may have gone now, you yeah. can you can yeah. see why you can yeah. see there's something about them. Yeah, they may have flaws, but they've also got strengths. Yeah. I'm concerned, but I'm relaxed. Everybody looks relaxed. There's, and there is a bit of harmony in the club as well. They all look as though they're, yeah. they're quite happy. There was, uh, I mean, uh, from the my understanding, kind of what I was hearing, Gary Boyer had plenty of contacts, plenty of options, a hell of a lot of targets in English football, but maybe finding it a little bit tougher to get people to come up to mm -hmm. the Scottish Championship. Yes. You know, there was a there was a, an eyebrow raised. Oh, Dundee, interesting. Heard of them. You know, did blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. But Scottish Championship yeah. was a harder sell. I think once you get Dundee back in the top flight with the draw that Gary Boyer's down there, he's very well liked by a lot of clubs down there, a lot of people down there. Once you take away that Scottish Championship factor, rightly or wrongly, there's a snobbery around that. I think it'd be really interesting to see yeah, who Gary be... Boyer could bring in because th from what I gather, he is he's quite a, a well-connected fella yeah. down there. I mean, the winning—is that where the winning run up to Christmas was maybe vital because it made people think, well, I'm only going to be in the championship for a few months. Also, one thing, one of the bonuses in the the January window when you're shopping at a certain level is players know by January that where they are, they're no, they're not wanted or they're mm -hmm. not going to feature as regularly as they want so mm -hmm. the, if you're looking at sort of fringe players like he was there's guys that will move yeah yeah and you're right i mean i remember i've, I've done they do go up we'll, we'll go we'll go back to that game at fur hill where they were two 0 down at half time and have they lost that game they've been on a sticky run at that point the season has started well and 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 then they'd lost their way we but and i think gary boy was just had so many players and he was he he, he was chopping and changing. The team was changing three or four changes every single week. Yeah. He didn't really know his squad. He was getting to know them. But that game, 2-0 down, they come out, they win that game, they go on the unbeaten run, and they've never really looked back from that, even though they have have lost lost games. Um, but yeah, Gary Boyer, I tend to think the gap, as much as a couple of unsatisfactory results, I think the gaps in the fixture list of I've yeah, harboured them more than anything There was else. that, and the, and the games that went off as well, they had a couple of games that days yeah. went off because of the, the, the pitch. That didn't help them. You know, when, you, when you're on a run, you want to keep you want to keep momentum going. Um, but he seems to be he seems to be absolutely bang on with the, the decisions he's making now. And it's, it's all looking good, but I think he does realise that when they go up, 
or hopefully when they go up, that you will have to make have to make changes. And uh, um, the fact that he's got so many at the contract mm-hmm. will make his life much easier. Put it that way. Right, and, and looking at this this Friday night fixture at Capilo, one of two Friday night fixtures. Well, yes, yes, one of two. <laughs> Late change, they claimed, uh, but. Just again, circumstances, it, it, it could all go wrong, but a win there, given that Morton beat Queen's Park last week, mm-hmm. it's, another, it's another big psychological boost, isn't it? But like you, you've you already said, it is a, it's a tough place to go, isn't it? It's always a tough place to go, however Morton are doing. Yeah, and Duke Embry has got a history of making life tough for Dundee, whether it's been playing against them or other clubs doing things that are going to hurt them. Whether it's been that's goading the Dundee that's bench as far into, as I'm going with that one. <laughs> into potential fisticuffs. Yeah. I was but at that done, game when he was at Hamilton. He, is, uh, well, he was actually a Dundee, he actually coached Dundee right. kids at that's the right. time yeah. and was very friendly with the yeah. management yeah. team with Jerry McCabe yeah. and Paul Hartley. It was it was great after that game how how once the, the, the quickly flared that yeah. was Jerry McCabe and Doogie, em- Doogie Embry was goading Jerry a wee bit. Yeah. Trying to be funny. <laughs> it didn't work. But you, you, you've never seen a, a, a flare-up dismissed so quickly after the game by everybody. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. It's just one of these things. We're all friends. We're all yeah. friends. It was quite, it was good. They were so embarrassed yeah. about it. It was I funny. Think he, I think he's done well at Morton. I mean, I've done very well. On the resources they've got, that, that's the problem at a lot of these clubs. They don't have the clout to bring in as many players as Dundee have, have been able to do. And that's 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 just just the way it is. And, but and fairness to do, you only tweet, yet another effort player who yeah. goes into coaching... And produces a team that maybe plays better football than yeah. some modern teams of the past half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I accept and that's that. not to, that's not a criticism, but no. they were always a tough physical team. Yeah, I accept that. And, and they'll be they'll be set up well at the back. They, they normally have the big beard. The boy Beard plays at the back. He's a big lad. But up front, Muirhead and they've signed the guy uh, George Oakley, who was up at Inverness. Who both have scored against Dundee in the past. So that's. That's a concern for me. Oakley especially has got, has got goal, goals in it. You know, it's Bear can remember the players who've scored against yeah. Dundee better than he remembers the ones who've scored for. Yeah, that's, that's what being a Dundee fan a, really what, is. That's exactly, exactly what it is. But as as we've said, I mean, it's, it's it's how Dundee go about their business. If Dundee play the way they've been playing, then Muirhead's opportunities to score and Oakley's opportunities to score, you've got to think, will be limited, Tam. And, and hopefully, you know, Dundee, have they, have they create the sort of chances they've been creating? Well, We'll, we'll get enough goals to, to win the game and what, what a message that would send out to the rest of the league regardless of the result in the other game at Queen's Park and Wraith are apparently playing <laughs> the, the Rapscallions secrecy great stuff if you like the podcast we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it or even better leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts all that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetelly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.